Welcome to the MetCast. This is where creative believers are encouraged to be great artists. My name is Matt Anderson. Thank you so much for joining us today. I would invite you to please subscribe or follow this podcast and then give us a five-star rating and review on your platform. Uh, and also, if you would be interested in advertising on this podcast, you can inquire by writing me at mattcastworld at gmail.com. Well, a couple of times this summer, we have tried to introduce you to art that you may not be entirely familiar with. Uh, so last month, we, we talked about the poet George Herbert and his lasting contribution to art and society. So I decided to do that again, and uh, we've already gone from already one troubling genre, which is poetry for a lot of us, and now we're jumping headlong into foreign film. Again, I know for many of us, that's a, that's a huge leap, uh, but I want to introduce you to what initially was a story and then later a movie that I think will bless your soul. The name of the film is Babette's Feast. So a quick uh, disclaimer here. If, uh, if after, well, you may, you're going to need to make the decision quickly. If you decide to buy the DVD on Amazon or something and then watch the film, I, just understand if you listen to this episode, I, I'm going to be throwing lots of spoilers. Um, I'm holding nothing back on this. So... Maybe you want to listen to this afterward uh, once you get the movie and, and watch it. I'm totally fine with that. Um, I would just recommend that, that you watch the English subtitled version. I know we don't like reading the subtitles, but the original film is in Danish, which I know you don't understand. But personally, when I'm watching a foreign film, I like to hear the inflection uh, and the, of the uh, actors uh, in the original film. Because I think it, it adds to uh, what you're reading and you get the original um, intent. I know it's work to do that, but I, I think it's really worth it, especially in, in this film. Um, this started as a short story uh, written by uh, Karen Blixen in 1958. Uh, she actually was a, a very astute writer. Um, it would be turned into a film in 1987. It was written and directed by the Danish director, uh, Gabriel Axel. Um, it garnered many awards, including the Oscar for Best Foreign Film that year. The story revolves around three women. Uh, two of them, sisters named Martine and Philippa. Uh, they were the daughters of a very religious man, very pious man, who ended up setting up a separate Protestant community. And, and these folks would withdraw from the life and the attractions of the world and vow to live simple lives, which they do in a very remote part of Denmark. Um, 
Their, their religious sect was quite strict, uh, as any form of pleasure uh, was seen as worldly. It shows in their clothing, as they all wear very dark clothes. Uh, none of the community members had children of their own. And uh, the sisters were, I guess you could say, protected from marriage by their father, who, who wanted them to focus their energy on the church. Now, uh, the girls were very beautiful, um, and they had their share of suitors over the years. Each, of course, would be eventually rebuffed by the father, and the girls never rebelled from that. Um, two suitors that we see in the film, one a young, sort of promising, but very directionless officer from the Swedish army, whose aunt happens to belong to the religious group. He is sent there for a season to live with her uh, in her home, but interacts also with the religious community. The second was a baritone opera singer from the Paris Opera, who takes a time of rest and, and respite and ends up going to the Jutland. That's, that's where this is set. It's sort of a rocky western coast of Denmark, and he's there to unwind. And he ends up uh, coming upon the community, specifically by hearing one of the sisters sing, which attracts his attention. They're both entranced by the sisters, and it's not simultaneous, but one is engulfed by her beauty and, of course, the other by her voice. But the father would dispose of both of them in his own somewhat private but um, kind <laughs> way and send them on, leaving them quite heartbroken. The story shifts decades later, and everyone in this religious community has now become aged, uh, and the sisters who are old themselves, but they are younger than the others, they do all they can in their advanced age to feed everyone, to tend to their physical and spiritual needs, as their father had passed away many years before. Well, that's when a mysterious stranger comes ashore by the name of Babette. And she finds herself in this remote community and she has specifically been sent there with a letter in her hand. And the sisters go to read the letter, and it is written by the opera singer who decades before had visited. Well, it turns out Babette has fled France in the midst of a bloody revolution. And now the much older opera singer is looking out for her welfare. We don't know how he knows her. He just does. Uh, Babette's husband, we find out, was killed in the violent revolution in France, and she now has nowhere to stay. So she offers to be a cook and housekeeper. The opera singer tells them that she can do this, uh, and, and the, the sisters feel very uncomfortable with this, but then she offers to do it for free. And recognizing the importance of Christian charity, the, the sisters end up taking her in. They give her free room and board, and Babette helps to keep their house in order and cook for the community. They, they show her how they make their food, which is extremely simple. Um, 
And over the next 14 years, that's what Babette does. She ever so slightly improves the taste of what is usually very bland food. Uh, within limits, of course, because of the uh, religious restraints that they had. Now, Babette's only link to France is a yearly lottery ticket that her friend renews for her. And one day, she receives a letter, and Babette is informed that she has indeed won the French lottery and the 10,000 francs that go with it. At the time, this is life-changing money. And when the sisters hear this news, of course, they are thrilled for her, but they also realize they are about to lose Babette because she no doubt uh, will have the ability to go back to France and, and, and maybe resume her life and live however she likes for the rest of her life. Plus, at this time, life in the religious community has become rather dysfunctional. You know the old saying, familiarity breeds contempt, and these folks are very familiar with one another, and we see frequent quarrels and arguments and petty squabbles breaking out among the few remaining members. There, there's one scene in which Babette literally has to correct them and stop them. Well, there's an upcoming celebration. It's going to be in December in honor of the founder's 100th birthday, even though he's no longer there. And Babette decides, now with her weddings, she wants to use a part of that to make a feast for the community. Specifically, she wants to prepare a, quote, real French dinner. Well, the sisters don't want her to go to the trouble. They weren't really planning on anything elaborate for the, uh, uh, for the celebration, but Babette insists on using... Uh, some of her winnings to pay for the meal. Well, the sisters reluctantly agree. But as the days and the weeks progress and Babette's items one by one begin arriving on shore, the community is rather alarmed. They start to see live quails in cages being brought and a giant tortoise. And they begin to fear that this meal will somehow arise unholy sensual delights within them, thus exposing them to demonic activity. But out of love for Babette, they decide to move the, the meal forward, but they, they secretly collectively make a pact to eat and drink everything that's given, but not to enjoy it and to, to certainly not say that they're enjoying it. Well, the night of the feast... The 12 diners sit around a large table, unsure of what is about to happen. Among those diners is the once young soldier who was a suitor of the, one of the sisters. He is now a general in the Swedish army, and he is traveling with his now very elderly aunt, who is still a part of the community, but is not able to see them as often. Now, if you watch the film during the feast, you, you really must watch Babette work in the kitchen during the meal, and you see her applying her craft. And anyone who has ever done something artistic but unseen, you will understand her face, her actions, her, her excitement. 
just all of it as, as you watch her do it. It's really something to see. And she ends up serving a seven-course dinner. The first course is turtle soup served with sherry. The second is buckwheat pancakes with caviar and sour cream served with champagne. The third course is quail in puff pastry, uh, in, in a puff pastry shell with uh, foie gras and truffle sauce served with Pinot Noir wine. It is here during this course that the Swedish general is awakened to a memory from long ago. He announces to the table that this is a dish he once had at the Café Anglais in Paris. And he recounts it as one of the best meals of his life. And this quail dish was the centerpiece of it. The fourth course is a lettuce salad. The fifth is a rum sponge cake with figs and candied cherries served with champagne. The sixth course is assorted cheeses and fruits served with a French sweet wine. And the last course, the seventh, is coffee with cognac. What's also amazing to watch during the, the meal is the kind of those old stuffy religious folks as they eat. And uh, though they, in a sense, keep their pact and they really never say anything about how good it all is, you can see in their faces <laughs> the sensations they're experiencing, uh, the, the wonderful foods and, and beverages they're partaking. Their faces slowly melt away the harshness, the brashness, and the bitterness that had been accumulating. And those who were at odds now find themselves across the table resolving their differences. And now they're expressing their love and their admiration for one another. The night ends with the community outside in the moonlight joined in a circle and practically dancing and singing together. Bebet's mission was accomplished. Now, when we come back, the film has a rather ironic finish that I think specifically applies to us artists and, and, our, and creatives. But it's what paid the movie off for me. I hope you'll agree. kids have you looked at those cool designs on your friends and relatives arms and wondered when you can have one too well good news your time of waiting is over we in the tattoo business have been watching current events and suddenly realized that we are missing out on millions of potential new customers children that's why we are launching the tattoos for tots program if you're able to walk or speak without drooling, Tattoos for Tots is for you. Say you'd like to pay tribute to your favorite superhero, sports team, or animated character. Well, waddle on down or ride your bike on over and we'll make it happen. And faster than a speeding bullet, 
you've got the man of steel on your shoulder. Forever! We in the tattoo industry used to be hesitant about having kids for clients, but not anymore. We have seen the light. At practically any age, you have the mental and emotional ability to make lifelong and permanent decisions over your body, and we in the tattoo world won't stand in your way. Want the friendly neighborhood web slinger as a sleeve? My spidey sense tells me we can make it happen. Want to surprise your third grade class this fall with Dora exploring your neck? Can we really do that? See, amigo. How about surprising your parents at your seventh birthday party with a butterfly, pony, or tiger on your leg? Looks like mom and dad are getting the real birthday surprise, right? Or maybe you're courageous enough to get one of those menacing facial tattoos around your eye. Nothing says future felon quite like them. Will it hurt? Like the Dickens. How long will they last? For the rest of your life, but hey, you're the boss and you know what you're doing, remember? Don't wait for puberty to make this all-important decision. Come on down for Tattoos for Tots today and do something spontaneous that lasts forever. Take show and tell to another level. Get tattoos for tots today. And don't forget to say please. So when we last left Babette, she had finished cooking this seven-course feast as a thanks for all the community has meant to her. And, and, and now the sisters know they have lost her, and she will soon be heading back to Paris. Well, that's when they receive the shock of their life. Babette has spent her entire lottery winnings. 10,000 francs on preparing this dinner. The sisters cannot believe in such an expense. It, it, it's, it's too much. It's, it, it, it's everything. Well, that's when Babette reveals that indeed the Swedish general was correct. For in her former life in Paris, she was the head chef at the Café Anglais all those decades ago, and sure enough, she says dinner for 12 at the Café Anglais costs 10,000 francs. Artists, I want you to catch this because it brought me to tears the first time I saw the film. There are two lines that Babette speaks here that I know will resound in your heart. So at the news of all of this, the sisters are aghast and they can't believe in what they feel must be wasted expense. One of them says, 
Babette, now you will be poor the rest of your life. To which Babette responds, an artist is never poor. I know we often hear about the starving artist, and it's true that the vast majority of us will never be able to make a living solely by what we create. But you see, this does not make us poor. Being able to make something that brings others joy or resolve or communion with God is all we want. We merely want someone to be affected by what we express or speak or paint or sculpt or film or choreograph or cook. What I love about watching Babette during the dinner in all those scenes is that she never leaves the kitchen. She doesn't round the corner to see the expressions on their faces while they eat. She doesn't listen at the door for their compliments. She merely does what she was created by God to do. It is her act of worship. She knows it is beautiful and superior, that the Lord is working through her hands. The act in itself is enough. And that, my friend, is artistry. It is marvelous to watch and experience. I pray you know what that feels like because it feels even better than 10,000 francs. For 14 years, Babette was unable to use her skills. She prepared the simplest, almost flavorless, spiceless meals. It was the equivalent of having Picasso paint by number. And when she received her winnings, she knew it gave her the chance to apply her craft one more time. To the masses, it seems a waste. To the artist, it's just Thursday. She didn't need to be wealthy on man's terms. She had everything she needed in that community. She was never poor. Remember that, my friend, when you wonder if it's worth it. Yes, the act of creativity in itself is the payoff. Let us come back to that again, fellow artists. I'm not saying we make horrible financial choices, but I am saying we see money differently than others do. We use it as a way to express to God and others what they mean to us through what we make. Think of the woman who broke the alabaster jar in order to anoint Jesus' feet with oil. Judas said that she had wasted the equivalent of a year's wages. Jesus saw the act as what it was, supreme worship. Art will always seem to be a waste to some, but if we do it for God's glory, it is talked about in heavenly corridors. One more thing Babette says here. Throughout the world sounds one long cry from the heart of the artist. Give me the chance 
to do my very best. You see those 10,000 francs gave her the chance. Every artist is merely looking for a chance. Whether it's on a stage, on a canvas, at a podium, on a blank page, on camera film, or on a potter's wheel, we just want a chance. That's all. Well, the sisters now realize Babette's full expression of love and appreciation and worship with this feast. Philippa says, but this is not the end, Babette. In paradise, you will be the great artist God meant you to be. And then she embraces her and she's crying. And, and she says, oh, how you will enchant the angels. And folks, if your heart isn't full after watching this film, it is unfillable. You know, there's something about a well-prepared table isn't there? I think too many of us miss a beautiful moment like that. Maybe, maybe you were at a wedding or a catered affair, um, a gala, a fundraiser, or a nice Thanksgiving dinner. There is something about approaching a beautifully prepared table with a tablecloth, napkins folded creatively, maybe place cards indicating where one sits, various glasses of varying sizes and dimensions, multiple forks and spoons and knives with three or four dishes stacked. It itself is a work of art. Think of what is conveyed in an act like that. Someone is saying, you are worth all of this. I want you to have an experience like never before. This is how important you are to me. And I can't stop thinking of the 23rd Psalm when David says, You have prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God understands artistry because he is an artist. Every day, he prepares a table for us. It's a table for two. He gets one chair. The other has a place card with your name on it. He has all sorts of culinary delights prepared. If we will only sit and dine with him. He has delicacies we have never sampled before, all of them delicious and nutritious to our souls. God doesn't believe in TV trays and microwave burritos. He has a table prepared for heaven's sakes. We are about to eat at the Cafe Anglais, and it's all for free. We simply accept his invitation that begins with, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, we appreciate you being a part of the MattCast. Please share this with a friend. We want to expand our MattCast family. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at mattcastworld at gmail.com. 
Our theme music is by Sound of Fusion. This has been a production of Monumental Ministries. If you like more information or to hear our archives, go to mattministry.com. Hey, thanks for having me over. I had a wonderful time. Thank you.